Today on the podcast, we'll be hitting both flippers at the same time frantically as we cover fans of pinball. Everybody and welcome back to Fanthropological. Uh, thank you for for downloading and listening to this episode or watching if you're watching us on Twitch. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to be talking about fans of pinball. And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. What do seals and pinball machines have in common? Well, both have flippers, juggle balls, and make loads of noise, uh, and are a pain to get in the transit van at 3 a.m. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. That is uh, from Aussie Arcade, Any Decent Pinball Jokes, because I could not come up with my own this week. <laughs> and Nick Z? Um, I'm kind of disappointed that we're talking about pinball. Uh, we should go back to the roots and just talk about Begatel instead. Ah, uh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> and our special guest this week joining us, the uh, founder of Bells and Chimes Portland and co-host of the Pinball Podcast. We have Jessica. Jessica, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I actually do have a pinball joke that I didn't have to search online for. You guys ready? Yes. Yes. All right. What's the saddest part of a pinball machine? Mm. No idea. Got nothing. (laughs) Do you want to guess? Where am I going to do this? I, I just keep thinking of like the plunger, the <laughs> flippers, the bumpers. It's like, so I, I clearly don't have anything that's a pun. The gobble right. hole. Gobble <laughs> hole is a pretty happy place on a pinball machine. A lot of points to be had in there. The saddest part of a pinball machine is the left out lane. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's... Thank you. That... Uh, Wait, why did the I call think... just go dead? Oh. <laughs> I, I I don't know why it would go dead, because that is probably the best <laughs> that we were going to get. Uh, I do like that you went to Aussie Arcade for that, though, because, man, I love Aussie Arcade. I did not know, like, I just, apparently I just learned that that's a, a, an interesting place for pinball. But I, I was just trying to find, I thought there would be some place that had some repository of jokes about pinball. And there was not. You found it. Oh, really? Oh, hmm. Gonna have to do some more digging after this podcast. See what <laughs> other uh, gems are in there. Facts. Um, if you are listening to this podcast and you have no idea what pinball is, I mean, far be it for me to educate you because I am also not an expert. But uh, I have read some things, and more importantly, we have a guest, Jessica, and hopefully... The combination of those different things will give you some idea about pinball so that when we start talking about pinball in more depth, you'll know what the heck is going on. Uh, Pinball is a type of arcade game in which points are scored by a player manipulating one or more steel balls on a play field inside a glass-covered cabinet uh, called a pinball table or pinball machine. The primary objective of the game is to score as many points as possible. Many modern pinball machines include a storyline, where the player must complete certain objectives in a certain fashion to complete the story, usually earning high scores for different methods of completing the game. I found out, doing the research for this podcast, that different forms of pinball have existed for a very, very, very long time. 
Um, arguably, some form of pinball originated way back in the 1700s with different bowling games, like lawn bowling games, like bocce. And bumper, bumper bowling as well. Bumper bowling, yep. <laughs> um, and uh, strangely ended up with something called Bagatelle, uh, which Z had alluded to earlier. <laughs> anyway, there, it actually has a really fascinating history, and if you want to learn more about it, you should start with the Wikipedia page and then, I don't know, find a book on it. <laughs> yeah, there's that book from the 70s. Um, I... I all I remember is that pinball and maybe an exclamation mark were in the title. That might have just been the whole title. <laughs> but yeah, there's like this big book from the That's 70s. Not... It's like the pinball Bible, and I don't remember the name of it. Isn't that, isn't that what they'd call the pinball music? No, no, not Tommy. Oh. <clears throat> I'm not talking about... I'm talking about pinball! You guys the pinball promised. musical. Boy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so how much pinball have you guys played? I'm trying to think, like, when... I grew up in a rural area, so there weren't a lot of... Definitely were not any arcades. Um, but I believe that either, like, a like the hotel on the corner or, or something nearby had a pinball machine. And I remember whenever there were a bunch of different gaming kind of things around, I would want to play pinball or... I eventually had a Sega Genesis and I played the crap out of Sonic Spinball and never finished it. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I've like played a bunch of it, but I, I do not know very much about the intricacies of it. I know my brother would always put both the bumpers up and I'm like, don't do that. It'll just fall through the middle. <laughs> but then you've got um, both bumpers. If they're both up, the only way that you can push the ball is down. So it's... Um... Yeah, it doesn't no. it's not sound physics <laughs> man oh man yeah so my my play is limited i would say yeah similarly um there wasn't a lot of pinball around where i grew up either slightly slightly bigger town um <laughs> but most of my pinball memories come from um my uncle who's like this really handy guy i don't know if he like bought the table cheap and rebuilt it or just happened to buy it and maintained it for a while. But he had like this pinball table that was like beach volleyball themed, I think. And okay. basically whenever we would be down uh, visiting him, we'd get a few games in. I mean, that was like 15 years ago, 15, 20 even years ago. So not the freshest of, uh, of skills, but I've played some pinball. That's funny because my uncle, when I was growing up, had an evil Knievel pinball machine in his basement. So that was my like earliest playing pinball was on my uncle's machine, um, which is actually um, now my machine. So oh. oh, nice. Yeah, it's been moving its way cross country with the help of a lot of really wonderful friends from New York um, out to Portland, Oregon. So it's with Wowzers. my co-host Jeff in Salt Lake City right now, so next step is for him to drive it to me in Portland. But <laughs> oh I'll actually have the machine that I played as a kid that my uncle owned. There's a lot of miles on that machine. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's interesting because I was reading about kind of the resurgence of, of pinball in like the 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 
tens. I guess that's what they call them. And yeah. I hadn't thought about it until this point. They were talking about it. It's like, oh, you know, making a pinball game is not the same as making like a mobile game. And I was like, okay, what do you mean? And the article's talking about, you know, when you make a mobile game, you like write some code and you upload it and there you go. But a pinball machine is mechanical. Yeah. So when you, you can't just put it in a truck and like, I guess, drive it across the country because, you know, it's got a bunch of mechanical parts that move around and need to be in a particular place when you're playing the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm helping some friends in Australia actually get some machines out to them there and like learning all of the intricacies of safely packing up a pinball machine to ship is really interesting. It's a little bit easier when you're just driving it around. It's a bit safer, but once you start talking about having to get them on pallets, it's way different. Uh, postage, postage wise, this must be one of the most expensive hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> really big stamp. Really big. <laughs> when I looked up some search data and I'm, I'm kind of curious about this. Uh, we use Google Trends to to look at how popular something is. It's not a great yardstick, especially for something like pinball, which probably got to be, well, like we think of pinball probably starting in like the 70s and 80s versus like the 1700s. Nobody's definitely don't have data on that from Google, uh, <laughs> as far as I know. Um, and it seemed like it's it's generally been going down since as far back as Google has history, uh, but it's been pretty stable since 2015. And I'm kind of wondering as somebody who's not a you know not in the community of pinball fans like how popular is is pinball that's an interesting thing to sort of quantify i can say that there are a lot more arcades opening barcades opening now kind of all across the country and all around the world um you see communities are growing constantly so in the portland oregon area um, there's actually a website and app called Pinball Map. Um, so pinballmap.com or Pinball Map is the app. So you can actually pull up all of the cities that you travel through or the one that you're in and see how many machines are around and where they are and you can leave notes on condition. You can just kind of get a good picture mm -hmm. of where the pinball is. So in Portland right now, there's over 800 machines on location to play. Public oh. locations. So that doesn't count private collections. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Um, and in Seattle, it's a similar number. I think that they're around the 800 machine mark now as well. Um, and Seattle, Washington actually has, I think, nine or ten weekly tournaments that happen. So you can wow. play pinball every day of the week in a competitive setting and have a choice of where you want to play that competitive <laughs> pinball. Um, Portland has heaps of events. I do bells and chimes. Casually, uh, we do meetups every first Wednesday, which is just getting together and it's a group of rad ladies playing pinball and having some drinks and it's a community, not competition based. So we just get together to have fun, mm -hmm. teach each other some tricks and tips and that kind of thing once a month. And then I also do a women's competition once a month for Bells. So I give two different options and even finding time for those things in our pinball scene right now seems really heavy because we have weekly tournaments, then monthly tournaments, then someone else started monthly tournaments. And then someone's like, okay, I'm doing another weekly tournament. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so much happening. And then there's bar team leagues and just all of these different options for people to get involved to play. Um, and I've only seen it increasing since I started playing. I've been playing as an adult for about four years. Before that. And as a child? Yeah, yeah. I played as a kid. 
you know, my, my mom talks about we would be, because I grew up in New York, so we would be out on Coney Island, like at Nathan's, and I'd be standing on a milk crate playing pinball. And <laughs> that's like an early memory she has of me playing from the time I was growing up. And then, you know, when I was in middle school, we'd play in bowling alleys and stuff. But um, I got involved in the music business and the comedy scene when I was living in Chicago. And I didn't drink, so I was never in bars or in places that I would really see pinball. Like if I was in a bar, it was for a concert. Um, so I kind of completely missed all of those years um, of pinball. So I kind of was in it as pinball was getting back into popularity. It's lots of lots of ebbing and flowing, but I mean, I have friends who have been playing since you know pinball was at its kind of high point, you know, early mid nineties. And you have a lot of classic machines that came out from that time and production was still really high. And, um, they're super talented, either competitive players or they're collectors who have all these amazing machines from, um, from a time when you can buy a bunch of machines and they weren't as expensive as they were now. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that was interesting. Cause as I was reading through the, the history of pinball, in the 70s and 80s and 90s it it's interesting because it's like by 1997 there were only two companies left so i can only imagine that with two companies left nobody's really producing machines it's like well you're gonna pay what what we got this is all there is yeah so stern pinball is the one that really stuck around um during the decline and they still make games now they're the biggest manufacturer of pinball machines in the world currently so a lot of the new titles that you see, like all of the big bands and movies and, you know, those kinds of licensed titles are typically coming out of Stern and they crank out several different titles a year now. Um, and then you have newer companies that have recently opened and started producing games in the past few years, which is awesome because that's not a thing that back in like the early 2000s that anyone ever thought would happen because they're like, well, pinball is dead now. So to have brand new companies that are coming out, so you've got Jersey Jack um, in New Jersey, they did Wizard of Oz was their first table, uh, hmm. The Hobbit dialed in, and now they just did a Pirates of the Caribbean machine. Um, so they're doing well. And then you have Spooky, which is a family run company in Wisconsin. Um, they did America's Most Haunted. They did, um, they're doing an Alice Cooper machine right now. They did a Rob Zombie machine. Cool. Um, and that's a company that for me is really inspiring in our community currently because it it's literally a family company. Um, and they were doing a podcast and wanted to make machines and they're like, we're going to do this. And they're in Benton, Wisconsin, which is, we went to the factory. It's off in the literal middle of nowhere, <laughs> but it's like, we can afford to do this here and make it something that people can, can buy. And um, one of my favorite new machines is uh, total nuclear annihilation which was a machine that this guy, Scott Denisi, he's brilliant, designed and built in his house and would take it to pinball shows. And Spooky, this family company, saw his design and they're like, we want to help produce your game. And he's sold, I think they shipped out over 500 units of that machine now, which is incredible for a small startup independent family company coming into the pinball market right now is absolutely astounding and for Mm -hmm. scott to have so much support and be so involved in the process he's he's wonderful and 
I'm really glad that those things collided to to make this new kind of pinball landscape where that could happen. Like the fact that pinball like went to a monopoly and is now coming out of it is insane. <laughs> totally. Usually once it goes to monopoly it stays there. Um but yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um T did you did you say what the the trend was? Um like it's it's been da- like okay. So generally as all of the fandoms that we've looked at, they've been on a downward trend and I think that if I was a more in-depth researcher, the reason might be because people have more and more forms of entertainment and blah blah blah. Not not the important part here. Uh, the part is that it went down, uh, but since 2015, it's been like flat. Most of the time when we're looking at trends, they just kind of like slowly go downward because people are yeah. less interested in it or, or whatever. I, I don't know the methodology behind that, but it was flat, which was interesting, which means there must be something that's kind of like fighting to keep people looking up pinball. Let's look at home collections. And people purchasing machines or trading machines, because that's always been a thing that's been around. Um, you know, it it's interesting. There's one designer that I am absolutely in love with who worked in uh, the 70s and 80s named Steve Kirk. Um, and he was so ahead of the curve back when he was designing. So he um, is the first person to put something on a pinball machine about tournament play. Like he started um, his own little, uh, I can't say company, but like he, he came up with this idea of doing pinball tournaments, like making it something that was competitive. And then he would mark on machines like for tournament play and things like that to try and build an interest in people getting together to play in a competitive setting with pinball. Um, And he also, I found this early article interview with him And he was talking about, you know, 10 years in the future, people are going to have pinball machines for their home. And everyone's like, what? Like, what? Why? That doesn't make any sense. And nobody was collecting machines in their home at that time. But now you look at these private collectors, you know, you have people who have a machine or two at home. I have five um, at my house, but I have been in people's homes that have over a hundred machines, over 200 machines. Wow. Um, people who are just like, oh, let's go into my basement. And they've got 20 pins down there. And it's just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like this is just, yeah, which is my favorite thing in the universe. Like, I don't want to have to go out to the bar to play. Like, I'll go. There are great locations to go play in. But if you're telling me I can just hang out like in my pajamas and play pinball. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm so happy <laughs> with that prospect. Um, and that allows you to see a lot of pinball machines that you don't see out on location. There are certain machines like older machines that are more rare or more scarce or maybe harder to maintain if people are playing like hammering away on them every day. Um, Mm. So you don't see those out on location as often as you see a lot of these brand new titles where they're cranking them out um, in higher numbers. So you definitely have this varied landscape, but I mean, I know people who have been collecting for ages. So there's definitely going to be, I think, some of those hits when you're looking in terms of web searches of people who are looking to buy and sell machines or who are looking up how to maintain machines or fix them. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely is something that has been in existence even through the dip of pinball popularity. I I watched a little YouTube documentary on, on one guy who's very in pinball, I believe from Newfoundland. Um. And basically the way he was doing it was he would, 
he would get a broken machine and then fix it and then kind of trade it up to a slightly better broken machine and then fix that <laughs> and kind of work his way up the ladder that way. And he said, that was basically <laughs> his plan to get the pinball machines that he wanted. It's very enterprising. Yeah. It's memorable <laughs> in a way. But there's a lot. Uh, I have to imagine a lot of the community is, it deals with like fixing, like fit, like fixing the machines and, and how they work mechanically. Yeah, um, I think it's definitely something where we need more people who are proficient at doing it. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it. I feel like sometimes there's like a certain few. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to fix smaller things on mine, but there's definitely a lot of that knowledge base that I just don't have. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not terribly mechanically inclined, so, um, you know, thankfully I have friends who are willing to teach me uh, my friend on the gold coast when i was um out at his house had me solder for the very first time and i was so excited oh, wow. um yeah so i fixed a flipper on one of his machines and then i fixed a pop bumper on another machine um but just doing like little things like that felt so rewarding to actually be able to do that so i know a lot of people work on their own um there are some people that you can hire to come and fix your machine or do some maintenance on your machine um there's also just some good basics to like always keep your machine clean like wax your play field and and do things like that that'll keep it just running a little bit smoother but um definitely i think there's um going to be a need especially with the hobby growing as much as it is for more people who are skilled at actually being able to go in and diagnose and fix machine issues do you think that's uh that that need for more people learning sort of the ins and outs of how the machines work um, will sort of have a negative impact on older machines more than more so than the the newer machines like the vintage machines from the 70s and 80s were or 50s and 60s even where sure the the old parts aren't even really being made anymore well okay so there are there are important distinctions and eras of pinball machines so um, when you're talking like 50s and 60s, you're mm-hmm. talking electromechanical. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So those are the ones that have the actual score reels that roll over. They have chime boxes inside. It's just a different, it's a whole different mechanic to the machine. Mm-hmm. Um, then when you transfer in the 70s, mid late 70s over to solid state technology. Um, mm-hmm. So you're, it's, you know, going to digital displays, you're going to digital sound um, and then, Again, all of the wiring, everything, like the boards, everything's changing as you move from one to the other. And then from solid state, you've got early solid state, then you go to late solid state, and then you go to uh, dot matrix display, so the DMD era, which is a whole different type of machine to work on than the solid states, which is whole different from the EMs. Um, And now you have this newer generation where you're going to you know, all of the LCD screens and things like that, but the mechanics are still similar to the DMD. And I do have friends who are just comfortable working on the newer machines. Yeah. Um, and the electromechanical is probably the one that's uh, the knowledge base that's in most danger of dying out. Um, there was a guy uh, named Nick. Ah, imagine that. Hey, who yeah. was <laughs> I forget his last name, but he uh, put together this project that he documented in like a little blog where he traveled around the country and helped teach people how to fix their old electromechanical machines. Hmm. 
So he has this knowledge base and he was hoping to share with other people so that the machines don't die out. Yeah. Which is really cool um, for him to do. And there's actually um, another Nick because why not? Let's just keep adding (laughs) to the pile of Nicks um, who has a podcast um, for amusement only. It's the bingo and EM podcast. And he does a lot of great um, instructional stuff on how to fix old bingo machines and EM pinball machines. Okay. So like the knowledge is out there. Um, Is it, is the, the, I guess the risk of that knowledge dying out a kind of a, a major concern in the community, or is it more or less just the people who like EMs are the most worried and everybody else is just shrugging their shoulders? Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, there are people who don't care for EMs and there are people who absolutely love them. So, um, they they can definitely be super challenging. They play really differently than other machines do. They're a bit slower. A lot of them have, um, what are called mini flippers. So they're much smaller than normal flippers, um, which makes the game super challenging. I have a friend who exclusively collects mini flipper EM pinball machines. Wow. Yeah. Wowzers. Slightly obsessed. So, (laughs) but also likes the challenge. It makes you a better player. If you can get good playing on a game, that's going to, you know, beat the crap out of you. Then you can walk up to a game that's a little <laughs> kinder, gentler, and you can do some really good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Z, you actually had uh, you had some famous last words from last time that were kind of around I that, did, didn't you? I did. Um, yeah, actually, I was wondering what the sort of general vibe within the, the pinball community is around digital pinball, or I think it's generally known uh, as virtual pinball. <laughs> oh, snickering. Good sign, bad sign. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you cannot replicate the physics of an actual pinball machine in an electronic medium. Mm-hmm. For me, there are some people okay. who really enjoy playing digital pinball, but with the knowledge that this is not the same as actually playing pinball. Mm-hmm. So the people who I know who like it typically um, are playing for it's a good chance to learn table rules and things like that. Or if you don't have access to actual physical pinball machines, it's great to have, like I'm glad that people have the access to them who don't actually have those machines near them. That's a really good thing that I enjoy about that. I myself have tried to play it several times. I can't, (laughs) I can't do it. The physics of it for me is laughable. (laughs) It's just like, that's, that's not actually how that works. <laughs> and I love the physicality of playing pinball. Like you, your body and your actions have impacts on how the machine and the ball respond. Mm-hmm. So you're totally taking that away to put it in a, dig- a digital form. Yeah. Um, you know, you're taking away the nudging and, you know, your slap saves and your, your, like the things that you actually do that really get you in it. Mm-hmm. And every machine has its like, little imperfections. The ball does not always roll the same path every time that is programmed into this digital version of what this game does and having to react to all of those little imperfections and all of those quirks and all of those differences keeps you on your toes. And it's exciting. If I can predict what the ball's going to do every time, it's just like, (laughs) I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. 
but but some people like it, so I guess that's a not actual half answer to your question. <laughs> well, with with the people who like it, do they like it exclusively, or just in addition to like a physical table? Um, I usually I usually hear of instances where people like it in addition to. Okay. Um, yeah, I have friends who who do both for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend in Reno, Mike, he um, he got me to play. Uh, there's a company called Zachariah that was around okay. ages ago, an Italian pinball company, mm-hmm. and their machines were a little bit harder to find. So Zachariah put out a whole app that's a collection of all the machines they ever made. So you could play these games that you're probably not going to see in life. You know, like some of them you can find around, but some of them are just like, they only made like a hundred of those. I'm never going to find one. And you get to play it. So it's cool to see the machines that you might not ever see. Um, But he does that and collects a ton of machines. So he likes the physical and the electronic version. Um, so, I guess I, I guess yeah. I'm a pinball snob. I don't like the digital <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that's just what I was about to ask. Is there kind of a, <laughs> a sense? I mean, like, I guess do you get the sense that? I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to generalize and speak for so many people. But like, do you get yeah. the sense personally that within the community there is kind of like, not necessarily a snobbishness against virtual pinball, but just like a sense that at best it's a gateway into a physical table into, I guess, quote, the real thing. Yeah. I I mean, I think that the people who enjoy it, enjoy it knowing that it's different. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of the best way I can say that, you know, like if people are playing pinball in real life and they're also playing digital pinball, it's a stand in. I don't know that someone would be sitting next to a pinball machine and say, no, I would rather play the one that's on (laughs) my iPad or whatever, (laughs) um, medium they're playing it on. But, um, you know, I would say, you know, I can't even say nine times out of 10, 99 times out of a hundred, someone's going to play the actual physical mm-hmm. machine that's sitting next to them mm-hmm. instead of the one that's on okay. their digital device. Okay. Is there I a, think it's basically, sorry, I was just going to say, is there a physical space cadet pinball? Machine? No, <laughs> no, no, there's not. <sighs> Someone was talking about trying to do like a recreation, but I don't know if it's actually a thing that would work in the real world. <laughs> Um, so, like, you asked before about our experience with pinball. I have not said yet. Oh. And mostly that's because it's not, not very interesting. I do remember playing pinball, various pinball machines at various points in my life. I don't think I ever played one in someone's home. Uh, mm. It was probably at a bar, maybe an arcade. If I was in an arcade, I would probably be playing a video game or maybe air hockey or something. <laughs> um. And I was like, ah, you know what? Like, like the pinball, the pinball machines never really called me when I had the opportunity. But I just found uh, a Doctor Who pinball machine from the '80s, and it's basically the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, <laughs> so I take back everything that I said. <laughs> from from the '90s, the Doctor oh. Who machines from the '90s. Yep, that's a it's a DMD title, so it's one of the well, I say modern, but more modern than not i guess um and you get to choose your different doctors and they advance you towards different things on the machine so that's one of the ones when you're talking about having like a like a quote-unquote story i guess there's a progression to the game and you collect things and um so you're collecting different doctors and and moving in a in a linear fashion kind of along uh that line in terms of 
building up those doctors. Um, yeah, it's it's a fun game. It's got some interesting moving parts that I know are problematic for text sometimes. There's that middle bit that actually moves up um, for when you go into multi-ball and you need to attack all the Daleks. So it looks really cool. It sounds really cool. My friend has one with a with an alternate sound package. Uh, so it's Disco Who. What? And it's the Doctor Who music, but it's all like disco. <laughs> oh. It's so good. I love it. But, I recently um, learned that combining disco and pitball is one of my favorite new things. That sounds that sounds about right. That sounds like... <laughs> my friend Maka in Seattle plays disco music sometimes when he's working at Attaball Arcade up in Seattle. And it's the mm. most fun playing pinball while listening to that type of music because you're just like moving around and oh. I don't know, smiling and enjoying yourself because it's grooving. a game and it's fun. <laughs> um, I think I think um, I'm getting back into it. Looking at this thing reminds me of like why I never kind of went for the pinball. I never I was I think I was at it at such a basic level because I wasn't like super interested in it that I never engaged with anything that was supposed to be happening. All I could see was like I'm just hitting the ball with the flippers. I didn't I, I was just concentrating on doing that and never engaged with any part of any movement or progression that was going on. Mm. And I feel like that is that is I'd have to get slightly better in order to begin to get into it. That's fair. I when I go to play a new machine, my my whole thing is tell me three things about this machine. That's all I want to know. Okay. Like, tell me three things I should be working to do. Because if you tell me more than three, um, I'm going to forget immediately or I'm going to try and do too many different things at once. So um, I was I was originally telling people I only want two things. But if those two things don't work, I want to back them. So now I'm like, okay, you can tell me three things um, about a machine. So, you know, good things for when I have brand new players, like come into Bells, for example, we'll talk about uh, a skill shot. So like the fir- very first thing that you should try to do when you go to play the game. So what are you aiming for first? Then, okay, is there something like a multi-ball that would be really satisfying for someone to try and go for that would you know, get them a little more time on the game. Can I tell you how to go for that? Is there, you know, a big payoff shot? So some of the more famous and popular pinball machines that have stood the test of time and, you know, their price on the market has been really strong um, are games like Medieval Madness and Attack from Mars, which are the same layout. They're a fan layout game, but they both have really satisfying things that you can do very quickly so on Medieval Madness, you can destroy the castle. There's a big castle in the middle, and you open the drawbridge, and you hit the gate. And then when you get through the gate and get into the castle, the castle starts shaking, and you destroy the castle. Oh, damn. That's really cool for someone to do, and all you have to do is learn to hit this one shot. Um, similar on Attack from Mars, you destroy the saucer by hitting the thing in the middle and then hitting it in the saucer, and you destroy the saucer, and the game goes crazy. Uh, World Cup Soccer doggy soccer you get goals and the machine yells goal and it's like very victorious so <laughs> super satisfying I think, yeah you have certain things on certain games where you can point people in that direction where if i say to you aim for the goal you know okay i need to try and hit this one shot and when you do it the game is really really happy and rewards you and you know how happy it is so 
when you go up to a machine, if I can tell you a couple key things that are kind of kind of hook you onto that game, once you nail that and you've really dialed, okay, this is the one thing, this is the second thing she told me, um, now we can start to look at, okay, well, what is that actually doing to your progression in the game? So as you get more goals, you're actually moving through different cities in that game, and then you have like the World Cup and you're going against different countries. So you're like traveling around, you're battling different countries, and it like goes through multi-balls. And you start to see when you look at the play field of a machine, all these lights are starting to come on that'll tell you, you've accomplished this task. So you've got this multi-ball, you've moved through this city, you've done, and it'll tell you all the different things you've done. And you can actually see your progress. So it's almost like achievements in video games. You get your little trophies Mm -hmm. that pop up. There are things on a pinball machine that will tell you, you have accomplished this task. Now you get to move on to the next one. So if you just like take the time to orient yourself to the machine that you're in front of, it will tell you pretty clearly, you know, this is your path and these are the things you've done. and This is what you have left to do. Uh, We have a question in the chat about the mechanics of pinball, um, which might be a good time to ask about this. They are asking, uh, they notice uh, this is duo from Thule is curious. Uh, they notice in a lot of movies and TV, when someone is playing pinball, they nudge the machine for a tilt. Uh, not sure of the purpose, but does it actually work? Mm. So the tilt is what you want to avoid. Um, nudging has been a part of pinball since before pinball had flippers. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you go back to like a bingo table, um, so Humpty Dumpty was the first pinball machine to actually add flippers. Prior to that, you would have a plunger and the steel balls and then a bunch of pegs or pins. Okay. And then you would bounce the ball. So you would nudge the machine. You could do that by pushing it like up and forward or to the sides to kind mm-hmm. of get the ball to bounce where you wanted it to bounce. And then it would go into different holes. So when you're doing that, like the whole purpose of you know, manipulating the ball, the whole mechanic behind that was the nudging. If you nudge it too hard, you'll tilt it. So tilting ends your ball. You're done. No more points. So in flipper pinball and modern pinball, it's similar. Um, And the tilt mechanism, so there's actually a ring inside the machine, and then there's a plumb bob that hangs like a teardrop shape inside of it. So as you nudge the machine and you set it swinging... Mm -hmm. When that plumb bob hits the inside of that ring, it'll give you a danger. If you hit it again, it'll give you another danger. And if you hit it a third time, it'll tilt. So you can get those dangers. It's like, warning, warning, like, please don't do that to me. (laughs) And then you back off. But like gentle nudging, so it's all a matter of degrees, um, is totally expected and normal for pinball play. Um, if you go too hard, you can actually slam tilt a machine. Like it's, it's bad stuff. So you don't want to be, uh, you never want to hit the top of the machine. You never want to hit glass. That glass will explode. I've seen it happen. So when you see people angry, like hit their fist on top of them. No, don't do that. Don't ever put your drink down on top of glass because that <laughs> spills under the lockdown bar and then you can't clean that shit out. Like it's just, it's in there forever. Um, but Ooh. yeah, nudging the machine is totally normal. Being a dick about it is not normal or shouldn't be normal. Um, so nothing too hard, but nudging definitely has an influence. So you're actually moving the machine under the ball. So think of the ball as a fixed point. If it's going somewhere you don't want it to go, you move the machine under it. Mm-hmm. And the ball goes somewhere else. 
or you nudge it off of uh, a rubber post or off of a slingshot, that kind of thing. Totally normal to do. Tilting is not good. <laughs> so it sounds like, like before the flippers, it was, it was kind of like Plinko. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Well, but with nudging. But with nudging <laughs> and like larger posts. So <laughs> if you, if you have a chance to look at a bingo machine, um, that's when they were actually gambling devices. <laughs> so, uh, pinball was actually illegal for a long time because people thought that it was a gambling device. Uh, bingos 100% oh, wow. were gambling devices. So yes. you would have to basically call your shots sort of, and set up like a bingo card of, okay, I'm going to get these numbers in a row or whatever the case may be. And you would, and, you know, put your dimes into the game and you could, buy in like higher risk. You could put more money in to buy more cards so that there was a higher chance of you winning, but it would cost more to bet. And then you would essentially cash out if you actually got the line that you were going for. It's, it's an interesting and very intricate um, thing that I'm not explaining very well, but you could bet on bingos. So pinball is a game of skill, but was considered a gambling device um, still Mm. when it came onto the scene And there was this very famous court case where Roger Sharp actually went into court with a pinball machine and like Babe Ruthed his shots. Like he called what he was going to do and he proved in a court of law that pinball is a game of skill and not a game of chance. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And pinball was actually still illegal in a lot of places. Uh, It was only legalized in Montreal like a couple years ago. What? Yeah. (laughs) I like, I know you must be telling me the truth, but I just can't believe it. (laughs) Oh my God. Here it is. Decades of prohibition over. It's legal to play pinball in Montreal dated April 8th, 2017. Yeah. Thank goodness. What? (laughs) What? Right. First first thing I do next time I go to Montreal. You should. There's some great, great places to play there. That that opened in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, totally, totally legal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but that, I mean, like the like, like the flipper adds like, you know, scads so much like new life to the game. It reminds me of of a concept every Canadian will be very familiar with in basketball. When James Nathanus said, "Why don't we cut the bottom?" <laughs> out of the baskets <laughs> and that way you can just keep playing immediately yeah, yeah you have to wait for somebody to push the ball out with a broom handle <laughs> i still prefer playing basketball where someone has to push <laughs> it's the only there, type of there basketball are some, <laughs> there are some antiquated sports types things that i really like there was a bowling alley we used to go to in Chicago where there was an actual pin setter under the lane. Oh, wow. Who would reset your pins for you in between every frame. And then Whoa. you would stuff money in one of the finger holes of the ball and roll it down the gutter when you were done to tip him. <laughs> yeah. It was like an expensive way to play it to bowl. <laughs> oh, it was great. I loved it. So they only that had sounds, like four lanes because it's like, how can you possibly maintain this? But it was so good. <laughs> If if they had soda there, I can I can like taste what it tastes like. <laughs> but, <laughs> also, uh, old old timey baseball is a really strong old timey sports thing. <laughs> well, we had a guest on last episode, and what they were curious about because we ask all of our guests 
to kind of ask something for next episode. And they had asked, um, how did the connection between pinball places and bars happen? And I'm curious because, as you said, you don't want to put your beer on top of the pinball game. And also, I'm just thinking about, you know, how do you play with two flippers when you have a beer in one <laughs> hand? <laughs> um, you get real good and you play one-handed and move your hand across the machine. No, typically there is a small table or something, either between machines or right behind the machines. Um, they also make something uh, called pin gulps. That's like a cup holder that you attach to the side of a pinball machine, uh, basically. Uh, so a lot of arcades will have something like that or a little table to put your drink down on. Um, but the pinball machine itself is not a table in the sense of put drinks on top of this. I never because it's not flat, right? The older machines like are flat. Even, okay. Modern mm-hmm. machines are sloped. Both of them are terrifying. <laughs> yeah, one, like one even them, <laughs> even so, I would never. <clears throat> yeah, uh, it happens a lot, a lot. There was actually uh, very recently this brewery in Seattle did a promo photo for uh, one of their new beers. And took a photo of it at an arcade on top of the glass. And all of my pinball tech friends posted it. And they're like, this is not okay. Like, they're all having anxiety attacks. Because the brewery is, like, encouraging people to put beer on pinball. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) This is not okay. So anytime I'm out playing pinball and see someone doing that, I will tell them the story of how the machine that one of the machines I own when I first lifted the lockdown bar up, it made like a suctiony, sticky sound because once upon a time when that machine used to be in a bar, someone had spilled their beer down into the lockdown bar oh. and it gets, it gets under the metal and into the wood and it rusts and gets gummy and sticky and gross. So I'm like, please, please, please don't ever do this like- again. It's like when Outcast told everyone to shake their Polaroid pictures and Polaroid was like, no, that doesn't help us <laughs> Right. PSA has to go out. <laughs> also, blowing in your old Nintendo cartridges apparently say, does not do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the placebo effect. But I mean, I think I think your beer on top of a pinball machine is just common sense. <laughs> But it's like a table. Come on. Surprised how many people are lacking in that. Department. I mean, I, I understand how the situation happens, right? There's a lot of bars, a lot of people have beers while playing pinball, but come on. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting one, for sure. Say there's a new machine you're coming coming out that you're very excited about. Why are you excited about it? Like, Or what makes you excite, excited to play any particular all right, so for me, um, I can I can kind of equate this to telling you about machines that I've been excited for that have come out okay. recently and ones that I haven't been excited for, and that might help right. um, shed some light on this, I guess. So um, the one that I mentioned earlier, Total Nuclear Annihilation, um, I was super excited for because... That is a game that's very similar to like the late 70s, early 80s style of game, which is my sweet spot. Uh, Like those are the machines I love. So there's no ramps. It's flat. It's a simple set of objectives that are very difficult to accomplish reliably. I love that. Um, I'm not someone who's going to read like 10 pages of rules 
on mm. how to uh, maximize your point value by <laughs> getting these multipliers. And if you hit this shot, then that one. And if this thing is flashing and your left ear itches, then hit this other shot. Like, I can't track that kind of stuff. <laughs> Rules get really oh, complicated. Man. So if, uh, if I see something like the games that I really love playing, that appeals to me. If a game looks fun to shoot, um, like if it has some interesting shot layouts, I really enjoy mm-hmm. that as well. So there's um, Stern Pinball is the the big company that comes out with heaps of machines, and a lot of their machines kind of recycle some of some similar layout elements. Where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well these ramps are from this game, and this center shot is from this game, and it's familiar for people, right? And I I understand that that's appealing for some people. They're like, mm-hmm. I know I like this game, and they made this one that's kind of like it, so I know I'll like this one. That gets really samey right. for me, um, but is appealing to other people. So they had a game that came out from a brand new pinball designer. This is the other thing. There aren't a lot of new designers. There are a lot of people who've been in the business for ages who are still working designing. Um, but Scott Denise is new. And now uh, this Iron Maiden machine was designed by Keith Elwin, who is the best pinball player in the world competitively. Um, and he designed a pinball machine originally with his brother. They designed an archer machine just for funsies. Like (laughs) they designed it, would bring it to shows. It wasn't licensed or anything, but, um, but it was archer themed and it looked really cool. And they made what's called a whitewood. So it's just the play field's been cut, but there's no art on it or anything. So it's not professionally done. Um, and it's kind of the prototype stage. So they took the prototype around and then Keith Elwin was hired and his design was purchased by Stern. So he was the first new designer that Stern had hired. And I can't tell you how long. <laughs> and his design was oh, wow. so innovative for Stern. Like they put this machine out and it's like, oh my gosh, like they finally put out a new machine. They've been putting out quote unquote new machines for a while in that, okay, well, here's ACDC and here's Kiss and here's Game of Thrones but a lot of the stuff in those games was like very similar to other things. So then they put out Iron Maiden and you're like, holy shit. Like they put out a new game. Like uh-huh. nothing in this machine is like oh, wow. anything that we've seen for a long time. So that gets me super excited to play that machine. Um, and he has a lot of elements in that machine. Like there are upper flippers. So you've got your normal lower flippers and then you've got little baby ones up top uh-huh. and they hit these like tight loop shots that are so great. And they remind me kind of, uh, of those earlier solid state games in a game that has ramps and multi balls and all this other stuff going on. So I love the combination of different things that he has going on there. And that game you can get super deep into because it does have really intricate rules as well, but I can still walk up to it and have fun playing. it. So those are the things I get excited for. Um, seeing machines that are kind of same-ish layouts or where things don't necessarily make sense or I have to learn too much about them to, in order to enjoy them are the things mm. I don't get excited for. That reminds me a lot of, like, board games these days. <laughs> especially <laughs> okay. especially board games that are for, like, licensed properties. Right. They're probably another game with game of thrones slapped on it or like a combination of a couple mechanics from a couple different games so when there's something actually new that comes out especially attached to a to a property battlestar galactica is is like strangely a really really good how do you 
get access to new games? Is it is it just hopefully somewhere near you will get it? Um, with as many locations as we have in the Pacific Northwest, someone will get it. Um, is pretty much a sure thing. <laughs> with some of the smaller pinball companies, you know, it's it's usually more rare to see. The new Stern machines, I know that as soon as it comes out, that six or seven mm-hmm. different spots in town are going to have it in the first week. Um, yeah. With, um, <laughs> with kind of boutique, uh, let's call them titles, you know, ones that are definitely selling and running in smaller numbers. Um, I know that I will be able to go play it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Usually pretty early. Um, Typically, the the smaller companies give precedence to locations. So, yes, a lot of private collectors are buying their games. But if they're selling it to a spot that's going to put it out so that lots of people can go play it, they'll usually ship those out sooner. So this way, more people have access to go play it, which I like. that. That's a good way to get the game out and get people excited about it. Um. So that's kind of similar. So one of the the newest machines that's out from one of those smaller companies is that new Pirates of the Caribbean game that Jersey Jack Pinball um, released. And there's one of them at C-Bar, which is where I run Mm -hmm. the uh, casual Bells and Chimes meetings every first Wednesday. So it's um, kind of right in the heart of Southeast Portland. They have a whole dedicated pinball room, an amazing collection of games. Um, Rose City Pinball takes care of them and maintains them and owns them. And the machines are always in great shape. So you know they're going to have the new stuff. They're going to have a good mix of old stuff. And they're going to keep everything running really well. So that game is out there. And I, I know that they're going to have those sorts of things. They had Total Nuclear Annihilation when it came out. They had Dialed In when it came out. So those kind of smaller run machines a spot like that will have, um, which is wonderful that so many people have access to play those machines when a lot of, there are a lot of cities where people will never see those titles. This is a, this is kind of a noobish question, but at these different barcades and places where you can play on the pinball machines, how does that, how does that physically work? Cause I know that at one point in history with all sorts of arcades, it was coin operated. And you know, if you're just learning how to play, pinball uh i imagine you can go through a lot of quarters really Um, fast you definitely can (laughs) that's that's a thing for sure (laughs) a lot of places will have kind of price breaks we're we're fortunate in portland that a lot of locations still have machines that are uh, for the most part machines are 50 cents play some of them are a quarter a play and then you'll see some that are at 75 um but you go to other cities where games are a dollar a play or, you know, um, it's so it gets more expensive. Ooh. And definitely if you're newer going in and mm-hmm. playing some of these new, fast, brutal machines that they have out there, that's not a very satisfying dollar to drop. Um, but there are things that you yeah. can do to kind of earn more games. So machines, modern machines, so DMD era and... Um, you know, even late solid state and the new um, LCD machines, they have what's called a match. So if you look at your score, you look at the last two numbers of your score, and then the the mechanic, the computer will kind of go through and do a random last two digit number. And if you match that, you get a free game. 
Um, and then there's also a replay value. So if you hit, let's say, 25 million points on this machine, you get a free game. So it encourages you to work harder and play better and actually be able to hit those goals. Um, and as you do better on the machine, so if you got that 25 million replay, the next time that you play it, the replay may be 40 million. So it knows that you've done well and it says you can do better than that <laughs> to, to do this again. So uh, there are ways definitely where you want to <laughs> learn to stretch recorder. So you practice and you get better. Um, there are also locations like ground control is the oldest arcade in Portland. It's downtown and they do free play nights. It's once a month, maybe uh, where it's $5 entry okay. and then everything's on free play. So that's an opportunity for people to go and, and um, play a bunch of different games for a lower price. That's also usually super crowded and not um, <laughs> not a physical space that I want to walk into on a free play night. But, um, <laughs> but that's a way that people can go and try out um, more games. There are some arcades that do everything on free play and then you pay an entry fee. Um, I know... One of my favorite things to do when I go back okay. home to New York is to take the drive out to Asbury Park in Jersey and go to the Silverball Museum, which you pay like a daily entry fee and you go in and they have Ooh. so many games like they're just beautiful and from all eras, like spanning all of time, but nothing, none of the brand new stuff that you see everywhere. So it's like, um, I think their most modern games are mm. mid 90s. And then they also have the new releases just from Jersey Jack Pinball because they're in Jersey. So those are the only brand new machines you'll see there. But then it goes back to like the 50s and like all these old wood oh, rails God. and stuff that you never see anywhere. And they're in great shape. So you get to go and pay. It's like, okay, here's 15 bucks or 20 bucks. And then you're there all day and you get to play all the pinball you want. Um, which is awesome. Plus it's on the boardwalk. <laughs> if, okay, so pajamas... And by the beach. These are my favorite ways to play pinball. Like, if I can see the ocean, if I can be in my pajamas, um, these are the best of ways. So, um, that's, you know, there are places that do things like that, that have a, a free play option. Or, um, you know, places where you can go and be part of a league or, or something like that, where people are helping to teach you and, and help you get better. But it can be hard to walk into a spot and sink money in and not really know what's going on. I never played it at anyone's house, so I, was, I always, if I was going to play it, I had to pay. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. As I said, air hockey. Maybe skee ball. So, okay, a, but you you play arcade <laughs> games, right? So you said that, you know, when you were playing in the arcade, you would play, like, video games. Yeah, it, it was a matter of, like, you, when you are talking about before, like, having those, those kind of things to, that you know about the game or things to aim for. When I when I was playing right. pinball, I didn't I I had no idea when I played a video game I knew what I was doing. Right. So you felt more comfortable straight away walking up to a video game, like you could play it for longer, even the first time you were playing it. Depending on the game, I mean, if it's like Mario or something, I know how that goes. Um, right. Or like a shooter, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I never it like 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 pinball always just like looked like chaos to me. I seem I felt inc incidental <laughs> to what was happening with the machine. I know I know mm. I wasn't, but uh. No, the the thing about pinball is that you get to try to exercise some kind of control over the chaos that's happening under that glass. <laughs> hmm. 
see the the glass is a metaphor for no i'm not, I'm not going there. <laughs> um what i was going to say was i was reminded of one other opportunity that i had to play a bunch of pinball and it was when i went to magfest last year where they had a whole bunch of arcade games set up and also oh, yeah. a whole bunch of pinball machines yep. which i was like oh if i ever wanted to actually like really play you could because there there wasn't like too many people that you couldn't just sit at a machine and play it for a bunch totally and there are a lot of shows so um so our local show is the northwest pinball and arcade show that happens in tacoma washington so kind of right between um seattle and portland and that's late may early june and you go and there are hundreds of machines to play um in pittsburgh is where every year is the world's largest pinball tournament. So this past year, there were 843 players from around the world playing in the tournament. So there were 350-ish games that were just in the tournament. And then there were hundreds of pinball machines that were also out in the free play arcade area. So you can go to shows like that, like arcade shows, and see a lot of pinball machines out. Um, And they have them all over the country. They're you know, um, anytime you see kind of a gaming show, there's sure to be some pinball. And that's another thing where you pay like a door fee and then the machines are free to play. So that's another good chance to do something like that. Well, I'm, I'm going to Magfest this year. So I'm going to <laughs> play the heck out of some pinball machines. I want pictures. I want physical <laughs> proof. This has happened. Oh, oh, just stick to Instagram. and it'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll play to you can take all the pictures. <laughs> that's okay i'll have i'll have my fancy camera hold hold my beer because i'm not gonna put it up <laughs> please someone please. just get you one of those hats with the straws oh i don't know if i could wear that in public <laughs> oh man i should market those for pinball yes it seems like there's a there's a need in the market oh, for that <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Or at least some kind of belt that has a cup ah. holder on it. Yeah. <laughs> what about a belt where the buckle is a flask? Ah. Have you guys seen the beer belly or the wine rack? Like it's a similar I think, concept. I think I have. The beer belly is just like one of those bladders, like from the inside of a box of wine that you can strap oh, around your yeah. stomach and fill it with <laughs> beer. And then the wine rack is just a bra that has the bladder things that you can fill theoretically with wine. Yeah. <laughs> Best white elephant gift I ever bought. Ah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Perfect for pinball. <laughs> You'd mentioned a few new designers um, who have started to design tables and, you know, breathe some, some life into tables that might have otherwise just been the same thing with a different skin or a different theme over and over again. Um, but what I was wondering was is there any sort of modder community like people who yeah i guess kind of design tables but just sort of keep it to themselves almost Mm -hmm. yeah so there are kind of two different ways to go in in terms of pinball modding Mm -hmm. you have people who um make mods or sell mods that are for just kind of enhancing either the look of their game or the the play of their game on existing pinball machines. Okay. So there's, uh, there's a company called measle mods and they make, um, kind of licensed mods that they sell that can go in. 
So you can take them and wire them and they either do lights or vibrations or whatever that kind of go into your existing machines. Um, and then there's a community that does um, kind of custom modded like retheme machines. Hmm. So they'll take an okay. old machine, maybe where the art is blown out or something like that, and they'll yeah. retheme it to something else. And you'll see those machines pop up at shows as well. People bring them around to show them off and stuff. Um, there's mm-hmm. a Facebook group for, um, it's called Purely Custom Pinball Machines, and it's people who are showing off kind of their new designs. Um, and I I think that that's a really interesting thing to do to kind of totally reskin um, and retheme a machine. Yeah. If the old machine's in bad shape, like I, I have a hard time just imagining sanding art off of a machine and totally starting <laughs> no. over. Um, there's there's a machine here in town which is a Walking Dead comic book theme, so it's like taking art okay. from the comics, not from the TV show. Yeah, that someone rethemed a Barracora machine, which is an old. Um, an early solid state machine, which I love. And the art on Barakora is gorgeous to start with. So I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> like, please tell me that it was in really bad shape before you change it into something else. Um, but you know, they, they've done that and that's actually out on location here. So um, there are people who do it and then either keep it because it's something that they genuinely love. Like I would love a Barbarella pinball machine. Someone please make me a Barbarella pinball machine, but um, it's not a thing that's ever going to exist. So I would need to take an old machine and turn it into a Barbarella machine kind of thing. So people do that. And then people do things to put into machines also. Okay. Okay. Just, just the way, one more really quick question. Like the way you were yeah. reacting to the, the potential of people just sanding art off of machines. Oh, it breaks um, my heart. Are you alone in that? Or is there sort of a sense across the pinball community that old tables should be preserved rather than just used as for scrap or to, uh, to mod? I definitely think that if a machine can be saved, it should be saved. And I think that's a pretty, um, you know, common mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Dan has a company called Tilt Cycle, which is upcycling old pinball machine parts. Okay. Um, so he'll take parts of playfields or cabinets or old bumpers and stuff that are kind of beyond repair, and he mm-hmm. will upcycle them into art pieces or night lights or Christmas ornaments and huh. all different things that he makes out of those. Um, but they're typically machines where. Uh, you would pretty much have to redo the entire thing to get it back to a playable state. Um, But if it's something as minor as like, okay, let's do a little bit of touch up and let's put some clear coat on it, or let's mylar it to keep everything smooth and playing well. um, Mm -hmm. I think that that generally is the direction that people tend to go in more often than not. Okay. All right. Because old pinball art is art. I mean, you look at some, some machines and just like, it's really gorgeous. There's a there was a designer named Python Angelou, and if you look at the playfields on the machines that he designed, like did all the art for, it's an art piece. Like you look at it as a whole, it's not a bunch of pictures that are kind of stuck together in different spots. You look at it, and the full playfield is one cohesive piece of art. And his style was very distinctive and unique and beautiful. So. I don't know, like ever thinking that someone would take something like that and strip it down. I'm just like, like it, it's kind of like when that woman repainted over that uh, 
okay. <laughs> portrait is yep. like that's not what the no no <laughs> like let's just leave it <laughs> maybe just leave it um yeah it's it's this very interesting thing for me to to see that but i can't imagine someone kind of tearing down you know art that's savable um to put something onto I, I feel like that's that's pretty standard um the way that people are thinking and if someone is looking to do a rethemed machine they'll typically ask for like okay i'm looking for a beater machine or i'm looking for a machine that's kind of roached out where you know like the woods exposed and stuff on the playfield mm-hmm. it's um that tends to be what people go for because they're going to have to tear that all off anyway the the one thing that i wanted to ask and uh the reason that i said that it might be a closing question is because it's it's about the future of pinball and the future of the pinball fandom and i was wondering um as a fan of pinball jessica what uh what does the next 10 or even 20 years of pinball and pinball fandom look like to you um in my dream world for this community (laughs) for this fandom this um this is a community that i've become very involved in in a very short period of time and have continued to be very involved in um and the future of pinball is female and it is queer and trans and inclusive. Um, it is a world where I want to see more representation from every walk of life. Um, it is a, it's a hobby and a fandom that's been dominated by white men for a long time. And Hmm. that's fine. Like that's, that's historically you look like video games and pinball is one of those communities. That's a little more niche. So it doesn't get that light shown on it very often. And being able to see people who are more conscious of the changing landscape of the people who are actually playing the games is the way that pinball is going to move forward. I want to see female pinball designers. I want to see companies that are owned and operated and run by minorities. I want people who are not represented in this community community to be more and more (laughs) represented in this community. It's, um, it's a difficult landscape to change. And I don't think that we're going to get better as a whole until it does. So um, that from kind of the human side of things is really where I think the future of pinball is going to go. You've seen a lot of change. You see way more women playing um, pinball now, which is awesome. Like I can travel Mm -hmm. anywhere in the world and meet up with, uh, I call them my silver ball sisterhood. Like I can put a call out (laughs) and find some rad ladies to go play pinball with which was really hard to do when I started playing. I was like, where is everybody hiding? So, um, so that's something that I think bells changed for me and, and helped kind of change the numbers in terms of participation in, in the Portland pinball scene for women. Um, you know, and everywhere has their own, there's babes in Pinland in, in Seattle that has an amazing turnout of women who come out to events and it spills over into the rest of the community, which is awesome. Um, I want it to be kind of way more accessible. I would love to see um, mod adaptations for people who have disabilities to be able to play. Um, I want just pinball to, to be more in reach for everyone. I want to see some lower price points on machines for the future of pinball so that more people can afford to actually buy a machine. Um, 6,000 standard for the lowest base model coming out of a company is a lot of money. Oh, that's a Dang, lot. man. 
yeah, let's not talk about the, uh, you know, $30,000 title that just, you know, that's come out recently. It's just like, man, this is nuts. And when do we turn this back around? Like, the it shouldn't be going up. <laughs> we should have options for people. So, um, more accessibility, more inclusion. And I feel like, you know, we're pushing in a good direction with it. And more new designers. I really feel like that's happening, starting to happen very slowly. And I think that that's really going to diversify the landscape um, and give us more options of different types of machines to play. So, yeah, I feel like we're, we're moving in a good direction. We just need to push it a little bit more. I think, I think we might continue in that direction. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to take us on a little bit of a detour. I'm going to take this, this shiny silver ball onto the ramp. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I'm going with this, I'm, uh, but I'm going to take us shine to the spotlight the for yeah. just a <laughs> just <laughs> shine the ball. And... If the ball was a disco ball, then it hey. was disco themed. And okay, no. I'm going to bring up this week's spotlight, and the spotlight is a chance to highlight a cool. Usually a cause or a fan project related to the topic that we're talking about. This week we're talking about pinball, and I found a a project called Project Pinball, which you can find at projectpinball.org. Uh, headquartered in Bonita Springs, Florida, Project Pinball Charity is a registered organization that places pinball machines in children's hospitals to provide recreational relief to patients, family members, and hospital staff. Uh, they've been donating and maintaining pinball machines since 2011, and have since become a nation, nation, nationwide organization with pinball machines in hospitals across the united states uh they provide all the equipment parts supplies uh, and regular mag- maintenance at no cost to the hospital they have donated 39 pinball machines to 35 different hospitals in 18 different states so far uh, if you want to check that out you can go to projectpinball.org there'll be a lot more details on the stories and projects that they have done however uh also as we went through this particular podcast Jessica, you mentioned another very cool cause several different times. And uh, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about it and where people can learn more about it? Are we are we talking about pinball prom? Is that we can talk about that, too. I mean, <laughs> oh, no. OK. All right. <laughs> you, well, you, you had mentioned a, pl- a thing called bells and, and uh, chimes. Oh, bells and chimes. Bells and chimes is not a not a charitable organization. Um, Bells and Chimes is a group for women to get together and play pinball. Um, and they're all kind of, we're all separate. We share a name so that there's a unifying, um, theme for us together. And it's kind of recognizable. So the name recognition is awesome. Um, my friend Eka Schneider started Bells and Chimes in Oakland, California. And, um, soon after I started Bells in Portland, because I actually, my very first pinball tournament was a like novice tournament that Eka ran in the coffee shop below my friend's apartment. <laughs> so <laughs> I was visiting um, the Bay area and um, my friend Matt is actually the one who got me into pinball as an adult. Cause he had pinball machines at home. So I was like, I can just hang out in the morning and play pinball. This is my favorite thing. So that's how uh, I really got, really got into playing. And he's the one who kind of encouraged me and helped me get my first pinball machine but I went to Eka's event and she was so warm and so welcoming. And she set up kind of this really fantastic vibe for the whole thing. 
And when it was over, she was like, you should join Bells. And I was like, I don't live here, but I really want to do that. And then the owner of the coffee shop, Jen, she was like, you should join Bells. And I was like, I really want to do that, but I don't live here. So when I went back to, came home to Portland, uh, I said, I am going to start this here. So that's kind of how I decided to bring that here. And um, I run mine differently than hers, runs differently than the next, than the next. Um, But after that, Momentum started going, Bells and Chimes chapters started opening all over the country, all over the world. Um, So it's an amazing thing to see um, how many Bells chapters are popping up. So you can go into a bunch of major cities that have pinball scenes and find women's only tournaments or events. Um, And for for me, and in terms of Bells, um, when I say that were for women, it's any self-identified woman. So cis, trans, non-binary, um, however you're identifying yourself as female, you're welcome in our space and it's a safe space for you to be in. Um, C-Bar here in Portland is our home base, like I said, for those casual meetups and we get the whole pinball room to ourselves. So um, I know a lot of women who have been harassed while playing pinball out on location who don't necessarily feel comfortable going out and playing on their own this is a time that you can come and you don't have to worry about any of that. Um, I know that's not everyone's experience, but I'm sensitive to the fact that people have had that experience. So Mm -hmm. um, what I'm trying to create is something that's definitely open and welcoming. Um, And then in our tournaments, those are open for anyone. So people can come and cheer people on, be encouraging. Um, Very good rule of thumb is just don't be a dick. So you can come and you can be supportive in life. In life. Yeah, that's a real good rule. Um, But yeah, you definitely see see Bell's chapters everywhere. And I love seeing it grow. And I love kind of sharing. I'll do, um, you know, we talk about different things that we're doing in our um, club versus what people are doing in other places. And we share ideas. And we have kind of a little worldwide network of female pinball players. And it's so encouraging. And it's such a wonderful kind of community within a community to be a part of. Um, we did at the world's largest pinball tournament, um, Pinburg this year, we did the first women's international pinball tournament. My friend Kate Martin from New York um, ran that. And I was one of the tournament directors and it was amazing because it was all women players, all women tournament directors. Um, and then we did an online commentary um stream for the finals and it was all female commentators and i love that so much it was really important for us to be able to have that and we did it and it was a huge success so um oh dang yeah it's definitely growing it's a it's a thing and i love it sorry all the rambling no Um, that's no that's that's exactly (laughs) what i was looking for um i'm I'm totally gonna tell you about prom though oh okay oh yeah yeah you you can absolutely do that, but uh, one thing I want to mention, if if you want to find out more about Bells and Chimes, you can go to bellsandchimespinball.com, which will also list all of the different chapters. I will include it in the show notes, so that if you do not know how to spell that, it'll be in there. You just click on the link to anyone listening out there. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was like, ooh, don't want to forget about this. That'll totally, um, yeah, it'll bring you to everything. So Eka maintains that site. So thank you, Eka, um, for keeping that alive. And it links to all of the different Bells chapters. Um, and then 
I do charitable tournaments through Bells as well. So um, every year I do a pinball prom, which is a fancy dress split flipper tournament. So you register in pairs and then split flipper is when you each take a flipper and you play at the same time. Oh my god. Oh so it's oh like what? a collaborative <laughs> thing and it's super fun. So um, I just announced our next um, pinball prom is going to be on November 30th here in Portland at C-Bar. And it's to benefit Trans Lifeline. So it's um, it's a 24-hour helpline for trans individuals run by trans individuals. So um, if anyone is looking for some counseling or advice or needs someone to talk to, they provide that service free of charge. So um, especially with everything in our political climate right now, it's super important to support them and what they're doing. So that's who we'll be raising money for on November 30th. I was just quickly checking on my phone. When is this episode being released? The answer is before November 30th. Yes. Even awesome. better. That sounds like a like like a fun but maddening ex- to to only have one flipper to be sharing machine. Uh. Oh, did you did you want to briefly mention the pinball podcast? Oh right. <laughs> oh right. So I do this podcast. Uh, it's called the Pinball Podcast. We record and release um, about every other week if we're on schedule. So um, mm. it's me and my friend Jeff. And uh, we're just going right now kind of through like a little bit of a shakeup because there are so many pinball podcasts that are kind of out there right now mm-hmm. um, where we're, we're really focusing mm. on kind of unique aspects of different machines that we like um, talking about focusing on different designers and, and things like that. But it's just uh, two buddies getting together and, and talking about things that we're super enjoying in the hobby. And it's a good time. I'm a fan of what we do, which is good because I'm part of it. <laughs> It'd be terrible if I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super into it. At thepinballpodcast.com. And if you've made your way through all of the Pinball Podcast and are hungry for more, you can always go over to fanthropological.com and check out all of our episodes, each one on a different fandom. If we've done your fandom, um, please listen, listen to the episode and let us know what you think. Or if we haven't, let us know about that too, and we'll uh, we'll get on it. Nick at the nickscast.com is where you can send that. Um, the three of us are the nickscast and can be found all over the internet at the nickscast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, etc. Um, so give us a holler over there. And um, for this season, uh, this fall season, this Doctor Who season, the nickscast has you covered because we are. Going to be covering uh, series eleven of Doctor Who in our podcast Who in Review, which can be found over at whoinreview.com. Couple, uh, let's say late Sunday night, early Monday morning, not long after the episode <laughs> airs. The episode will be up there, uh, and you can hear our rotating cast of six uh, reviewing the first Jodie Whittaker season. So check that out at whoinreview.com. I think that's all I have served as a. Alrighty. Thanks, G. Uh, if you'll follow me, humble viewer, humble listener, over to this pod, this uh, pinball table called podcasting. Uh, the we we at the next cast will take the right bumper, right flipper, uh, and and you can take the left, and you already have because you're listening to this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. But 
You know, this is something we do on a pretty regular basis. Pretty much every week we're out here waiting for people to, to come and play pinball with us. Pinball podcasting. Podcast pinball. I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. But... <laughs> I'm editing this. Don't worry about it. Just, uh, I'm just, just gonna just throw out a bunch of words, and I'll make a sentence out of them. Later. I'm just gonna I'm just let it all drain. I'll just let it all drain. Anyway, oh. <clears throat> yes, he's gone full tilt. Oh god! Oh no! <laughs> anyway, danger, danger! Oh no! <laughs> As I was saying, thank you very much for listening, for viewing. Um, and if you're listening, fantastic. Hopefully it's uh, not just out of a chime box. Hopefully it's, you know, out of something with good audio quality that's, uh, you know, got good good voice sampling uh, abilities. Uh, but you could also be watching us recording these episodes live if you go over to twitch.tv slash the Nixcast. Good idea to keep an eye on the Twitter just to see when we are, in fact, going live, unless you... Like hanging around on twitch.tv slash the Nixcast, which is also a pretty cool place to be. Anyway, uh, you might want to check that out. Come over and watch to, you know, see us uh, recording these things in in the flesh. Uh, see our guests. Hear everybody. Also participate in the chat, which is the most important part of joining us on twitch.tv slash the Nixcast because that's where you can ask questions of us of our guests that's where you can you know, have little miniature debates shows within shows amongst the uh, other viewers and it's also where you can participate potentially in the famous last words Well, you know, it may have taken us three balls to get there, but we we finally <laughs> we yep, finally got nice. there. That was objective. That was a, that was an extra ball right there. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh. As he mentioned, that's right. It's the part of the show where we do the famous last words, which is where we ask a question or make a statement about next week's fandom before we've done any research on the topic. Maybe it's a topic that we know something about, or maybe most likely it is not. Next week. We have a special guest on the show, and I feel really bad because I do not remember the name of the podcast, but we will be talking about fans of the Alien franchise. So Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien, the one that was bad. Resurrection. Oh, Resurrection. Yep. Uh, Probably the comics. Everything related to the Alien franchise. I do not know if we're getting into Predator, but that is what we are talking about. And so to everyone in this call, what are your famous last words about the Alien franchise or its fans? Oh, good. I don't have to think about this one. <laughs> okay. So when uh, when there's a big DVD box set released of the Alien movies, the four Alien movies, you know what it said on the side? It said Alien. the Alien Quadrilogy. <laughs> quadrilogy is not a word. So what's the deal with that would be my question. Okay. <laughs> it's half Roman and half Greek. And all specific. Maybe I'll come up with a real question by the time everyone else is done. <laughs> um, I want to know what fans think of Prometheus 
I don't know why. I feel like the answer. I feel like I already know the answer to that. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm curious. Maybe people appreciate that it introduces some lore or something like that. So, what do fans think about Prometheus? <laughs> Actually, better question: Do fans dislike Prometheus or <laughs> Alien Resurrection more? That's a that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, I have actually have a very similar other question. <laughs> um, is there is there a sense of alien versus aliens in the fandom? Because hmm. they're both beloved movies, but they're very different from each other. Yeah. So there's actually an alien slash aliens pinball machine. Ooh. <laughs> um, from a company that folded like right after it was released. So there's oh, not really? a lot of them. And it's real buggy because they could not provide any kind of support for it, which is a shame because it's really fun to play. Like the physicality of it, the shots are really interesting and cool. And you can choose at the beginning of your game if you want to play through Alien or Aliens, and it changes the modes that you play. It's real good looking and fun, but just super janky. So not (laughs) actually functional for long periods of time, but I got to play it a few times and it's great. Um, so that's not a question, but that's just a thing that ties the two of them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my question is if uh, Jonesy had his own spinoff movie, what would it be about? Z, did that give you enough time? <laughs> <laughs> it gave me so much time, but I'm, I'm just turning the same question over in my head. So here it goes. Out, out with it. Yeah. <laughs> is there... Within the the alien fandom, you know, whatever movie the fans like the most or whatever, um, is there an enduring love of Metroid? Oh, interesting, interesting. Which one? Oh wait, never mind. Alien came first. I know that. Yep. Yeah. All right, got some juicy questions for your next week. <laughs> Uh, another thing that remains to say is Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we learned a heck of a lot. Thanks for having me. Um, I know you guys did your, your little things. I'm on Instagram is I guess the one I use the most. Um, just me and my random pinball adventures is at Twazu T W A Z U. And then, um, if you're looking for bells and chimes specific stuff, it's at bells pinball PDX. If you have uh, a sign-off for the podcast that you would like me to say instead of the stupid one I say now, please send it to g at thenextcast.com. Until then, until next time, we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. I know, that, I know that is a pet a pet peeve of people who are never do that. Never. I was I was gonna say like I'm I'm not an expert, but that sounds like some pretty high level play over there. I'm not an expert either, but please don't ever do that. I try to remember how I know that if I talk to someone else or saw it on a show or something like that. But I know that's <laughs> annoying. And once it was pointed out, I'm like, I guess you don't need to do that. <laughs>